Today we're starting a 10-day retreat. 10-day retreat. Um, I don't know, I only know very few of you here, but I know from Ajahn Amaro that uh, many people here are quite experienced uh, practitioners, have done many retreats, and so um, you may have already quite a clear program in your mind about what's happening. First three days, the fourth day, the fifth day, the sixth and ah, the ninth day, and the tenth day, then freedom. <laughs> so we can come to these uh, gatherings, to these retreats, with uh, another program, which is the very thing we're trying to get away from, being conditioned, reconditioned, programmed, and um, turning our life into um, something quite miserable. There's just n no, perhaps no, uh, no sense of innocence or beginner's mind, as we call it, in kind of Buddhist jargon. Where is the beginner's mind? The mind of innocence, that just completely free from expectation, hope, and anticipation, and some kind of ideas about what will happen on this retreat. It's um, difficult to get away from that, isn't it? As I say, the more we do retreats, the more we get um, kind of old hands at all these things and uh, check how are you feeling right now? What is your anticipation? What is your, what is it that you are already programming in your mind for the next 10 days? Is it a blank page or has it got already many texts, poems, comments, commentaries, and uh, a whole history. <laughs> my 10th retreat and my first retreat and my last retreat, maybe that's my last retreat. So it's quite natural. There's nothing wrong with um, thinking like that. It's very natural, it's quite normal. But just to bring up into consciousness how we can come to another retreat and um, have it all planned. Where is that spaciousness? Where is that mind which is prepared to not know, to not anticipate, or at least to see anticipation for what it is, rather than turn it into a reality, to see what we hope and wish and anticipate as just one moment right now and nothing more than that. Ten days can seem very long or very short. If you've done a very, very long retreat, three-month retreat, perhaps ten days like Charles game. 
if you only don't short retreats or don't do retreats very often, seem like ten days, seem absolutely eternity, seem like it will never end. So to bring up also into consciousness that sense of time, tomorrow, tonight, what will happen? How will I be able to get on with my neighbor, with a third person in my room? How can I go through the night? Will she snore? Will he be noisy? How much do we anticipate right now that something that might never happen? Or perhaps feel, oh well, whatever happened, I'll be fine. <laughs> and then perhaps feel very disappointed when you're <laughs> just about to throw up <laughs> something across a room and notify your neighbor that you disagree with her <laughs> or him. Mm. <coughs> so, the sense of a limitation, just ten days, seems kind of just a, very, a limited time. In one's mind, one has this perception. I put aside time for my professional life, time aside for this retreat. There may be a, a kind of um, a, a, a sense of pressure. Notice that. Is there a sense of pressure? I've got to get at least half enlightened by the next, by the end of 10 days. Not maybe completely, but at least a third of my program has to be fulfilled, to be solved. <coughs> or we might just, <coughs> just a kind of subtle desire, or gross, <laughs> or blunt desire, just to um, pack in as much as we can, let go as much as we can, have as many insights as we, as we can, as many mindful moments as we can, and get really stressed out, <laughs> Stre get really worked up about all the insights you want to get, um, you want to accumulate perhaps during this retreat. I'm, I'm not saying you do, but it's just just in case <laughs> you did. Because often, unconsciously, there's many things that we are not really aware of. There's many um, states of mind that is just um, already driving consciousness in a particular direction we're not aware of. So this is just what I'm bringing up. Just so you may be aware, is there a pressure now? Is there the desire to get something from this retreat? Again, there's nothing wrong, there's nothing um, bad about desiring to get lots out of this retreat. But if, we were not, if we're not aware of it, it can just create that another mode of stress, where the whole point of being on retreat is just uh, really moving away from that um, way of thinking, that way of perceiving things, moving away of not, not engaging into that uh, mind which is constantly grasping and wanting and wishing and hoping and anticipating and creating and 
and so on. So, um, as my teacher Achin Sumedho often reminded us at the beginning of a retreat, um, this whole package is your, is 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 a part of your um, is, a, is a sharpening stone for uh, establishing a presence of mind, establishing mindfulness, establishing um, awareness of the here, now, the present moment, and uh, whatever happened on this retreat, instead of getting all tangled up, trying to control your retreat and make it just right for me, uh, see it as a huge mirror, which is such a precious thing. There will never be another setup like this one, where you can be driven right without the wall, and nobody will mind. Nobody will even come and rescue you. You'll just be left alone to simmer in your dukkha. <laughs> and cook. <laughs> and get really cooked. And find how good it tastes once we get really cooked up. Just the right temperature. And I think having two beds in one room is perfect. <laughs> Spirit rocks would be such a boring setup in comparison. You might feel more comfortable, but those challenges, I only have one person in my room, <laughs> so I can't really completely sympathize and empathize or put my sh myself in your shoes since I won't have any aggravating neighbor with me, except myself. <laughs> That's bad enough. <laughs> and so, um, so you're very courageous to come here, not eat in the afternoon, having to get up early, sit next to somebody you might wish to be hundreds of miles away from you, um, having to look at five monks and a nun for ten days. Sometimes you might like them, and sometimes you might wish they would be somewhere else, too. <laughs> Silence. <laughs> oh, just in case. <laughs> so, as I somebody would say often, you know, just use everything that's on this retreat for you to um, foster the conditions for a breakthrough, a major breakthrough. Which could, you might not even notice, except maybe three months later, one of the major breakthroughs, usually we don't notice them. You just have, you just realize something drastic has changed in you. Like me, when I became a nun, I I never realized I had a profound insight, except I stayed, I was still three weeks later, I was still at Chittas, wondering how on earth I was still there. But this is, I'll tell you the story later on, but anyway, um, 
I like to emphasize also in your practice, come to it gently, come to it compassionately. Notice a tendency to drive yourself in the corner. <coughs> you get enlightened or beat you up. We love beating ourselves up, don't we? It's kind of a habit. Just love getting angry with ourselves. So now my encouragement during this retreat is just when things, everything goes wrong, you know, hooray. This is an opportunity to see how much you can accept yourself as you are, not as you wish you would be, or as a model you brought with you that should look like at the end of the retreat. How many models have you got about yourself? I'll be beaming, smiling, I'll be free from problems, I'll be... By the end of the retreat, it might just seem like it's actually be worse. Have you ever thought of that? <laughs> What's a terrible letdown. You might actually, the enlightenment might actually be a lot worse than you imagine. <laughs> you might never have any choice anymore. You just have to be completely, completely choiceless. And this is what we wish, freedom. But do we know what it is? The responsibility that's involved in that. So, when things go slowly and you get impatient about the capacity to have insight or to see clearly, don't, don't beat yourself up. It's just a gentle pace like the hare and the tortoise fable, a gentle pace will might actually take you much further, even though it's always in the here and now and present, there's no time, timelessness. A gentle pace will take you much further in the direction of um, Nibbana or freedom from all suffering than rushing and headstrong and then getting <laughs> fed up with your trying so hard. So uh, during this retreat, really my encouragement is gentleness, to be really gentle and very, very kind to yourself. You have a form, a format, a structure, something that holds you already, which is so different from the life you are accustomed to live. So this is already quite a change, major change from your habitual way of living. No virtual reality anymore, except the one you create in your mind. No computer, no TV, no cars, no distractions. That's a huge change. So now you can just relax, completely relax and hang out with yourself, gently, friendly with yourself. See what happens when you are not um, trying to become somebody else that may seem more enlightened than yourself right now. But as Thomas Merton said once, 
road. Some people on the spiritual path are always, are always trying to be the saint that existed 200 years ago. <laughs> they can never be themselves. So this is a good reminder, uh, just to bring our attention to this being here now, to this person. Might be totally imperfect, to absolutely limited, inadequate. Whatever this person is right now, it's good enough for our understanding of the Dhamma. It's good enough. We don't need anybody else. And just by accepting just the way we are right now, then we can liberate ourselves and come to terms with um, this very strong habit we have to always wish things to be other than they are. We wish our feelings, our moods, our thoughts, our desire to be other than they are. Even our insight is never good enough, perhaps. So a, a, a spirit of total acceptance, total, as the Chinsamita will say, total embrace of this life during the next 10 days, beginning now, total, loving, friendly, easy embrace is um, what we call right attitude. Instead of setting up goals, setting up all sorts of plans and schemes, and you can just relax into the whole form that's been set up for you. Getting up in the morning early, not having to eat, not eating in the afternoon, just, just uh, having, requires a huge amount of patience. And maybe some of you know that patience was considered by the Buddha as one of the highest quality. Highest. In our culture, patience is often equated to being stupid or not very clever. Only the clever one go fast, get things quickly, push buttons and get all the right responses. In Buddhist countries, patience is the highest qualities in the heart, the highest qualities of the heart, because it's always conjoined, it's always associated and connected with wisdom. In, in Buddhist countries, a patient person who is patient is a very wise person. It's a very beautiful quality. So if you only get a little more patient by the end of 10 days, you would have become a little wiser too. So this is my encouragement to you. I don't have a, a lot to add to what uh, Ajahn Sundra um, <coughs> just uh, expressed. Um, many people have traveled many miles, some many hundreds of miles uh, already today, so it's been a, a, a long day. Uh, and so I'll keep it less than my customary hour. 
just in case you're wondering. just to underline um, one of the things that Ajahn Sundra was saying, um, particularly at the beginning of a retreat, it, it's so um, such a powerful habit of the mind to be um, projecting about how it's going to be and, and how I am and uh, sliding into a judgment and, and then it's not as though the judgments arising on their on their own is a problem. It's the fact that we believe them that uh, you know that's when the, that's when the trouble really starts. Is that uh, you know if we can um, expect uh, at the beginning of a time such as this that the mind is going to project, it's going to compare. Well, the one last year was like this, but the one year before was you know it was really nice. The one before that, and, and you know that the. And that whole process of, of comparing and judging and hoping and fearing and it's it's so natural to us. We're heavily conditioned to that. And so um, uh, one of the, the themes that I, I really like to emphasize and you know Ajahn Sundra did speak of this, but just to underscore it, is just to uh, particularly in the first few days of a of a retreat like this, to be um, consciously you know, letting go of that quality of time and uh, as the mind creates the, the memories of the past or projections of the future just to be uh, clearly and deliberately looking at that and saying well this is just a judgment, this is just an expectation who knows, let go and to leave this space open for us you know, to leave this time um, uh, open rather than being jam-filled with our uh, our programs, our expectations, our our plans and and fears and and so forth. Because it's only in that um, spacious quality, when we leave the the present open and, and unoccupied, then we find that the heart can really transform, can really change. If we if we believe our judgments and uh, the opinions and uh, memories and plans and expectations and so forth, then there's really not a lot of space left in the mental sphere. So, just to encourage that, um, and so this is, this is not something very complicated, but you can, whenever the mind comes up with any kind of judgment or expectation or plan, any of that, uh, anything of that nature, just to meet it with uh, the recognition of it's not a sure thing, it's not sure. What's the weather going to be like? Don't know. Yeah, what's my mind going to be like? Don't know. What is my roommate going to be like? Ajahn Sundar has been planting all these <laughs> frightening <laughs> anxieties. And we're going to be going to, each, going to our rooms and looking suspiciously across. <laughs> and think, oh dear, she looks like a snorer. <laughs> or maybe she's a yeller. You know, one of those sort of crying out in the middle of the night types. Or maybe I'm one of those, <laughs> and I'm not aware of it. And, you know, maybe. Maybe this is the time to find out. <laughs> 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 so, 
so that um, and so I consciously letting the space be open. This is one of the kindest things that we can do for ourselves and for each other. So just in that spirit of of uh, opening things up and um, opening the heart to the present moment, because this is where reality happens. And that the less also that we're entrenched in our judgments and opinions, then um, the, this, the present becomes much more of, a, of an open and, and fertile field. So it's just in that spirit that uh, uh, you'll find that um, we can make the best use of our time. And uh, again, even though you, you know, when we hear a Dhamma talk or listen to words like this, then something might in, in us might say, yeah, that's right, right, I'm going to do that, yes, that's it. You know, like when we stick up something on the refrigerator, you get a new magnet for your fridge. Uh, and you think, right, that's it, now I'm committed. It's not sure. It's not a sure thing. It's on my fridge, it's, it's now official. <laughs> you know, I even got a screensaver that tells me that as well. And so it's, it's not a sure thing. It is not a sure thing. Okay, right, now we're really there. But, you know, you turn away from the fridge and it's gone. You know, and the mind gets locked into that. So we're pretty thick creatures, really. Nothing personal. And <laughs> but we, we are all very thick. And so it's, uh, we need a kind of constant reminding. And so just to encourage ourselves, it's like a, a reapplication of that sort of reflection over and over. And helping to, to open up the, the field for us. We'll um, close the evening with uh, taking the eight precepts together. And uh, already this evening you had a whole array of, of all of the you know, do's and don'ts and the uh, mechanics of, of living here at the Angela Center. Some of you are very familiar with the place, others it's, it's very new. Um, and um, please also try to, uh, even if you are familiar, you're an old hand, you've done this a thousand times before, just to, to not be looking at the, the precepts or the, the routine or the, the schedule or the, the do's and don'ts of Angela Center as the, sort of the unfortunate um, obstructions that you, that you have to tolerate. That you, know, you the one sort of gets around as much as possible, or it's just that well, that's the rules of the game. You have to deal with all of these kind of restrictions and obstructions. But really, it'd be much better if we didn't have any of this stuff. <laughs> um, which is an attitude the mind can drift into. Uh, but it, it's helpful to um, to see that by um, having this uh, standards of, of taking the precepts and having a, a common routine, a common understanding, even though that is a limitation in one respect, it, this makes tremendous freedom. Uh, it opens things up, frees things up enormously for us to help us for the, in the purpose that we've all gathered together for. The, um, it's rather like um, life on the road you know, many of you have, were negotiating with the traffic coming up 101 and through the rain and the dark and others negotiating airports and um, long distance travel and 
so forth. So if you can imagine trying to get 101, uh, trying to get here on time, and that's with everyone pretty much following the, the, the traffic laws. Right, everyone's not kind of thinking, well, should I drive on the left or the right? You know, what do I feel like today? <laughs> Which lane shall I drive in? You know, maybe I'll just sort of stop and have a walk around here. Or, you know, maybe I, you know, I like that car rather than this, you know, the one I'm driving. And can you imagine what it would be like if we all had a, if sort of made up our own uh, standards uh, for getting by on the road or just someone chooses to drive, you know, 150 miles an hour? Or, or, or rather likes the feeling of metal crunching on metal <laughs> as they sort of bounce off your fender on the, on the way up. I mean, well, people shouldn't drive BMWs. Ding. <laughs> you know, it was bad enough, hard enough trying to get here with everyone saying, keep in your lane, don't go over 70, <laughs> 80. <laughs> you know, dip your lights when there's people coming. It's hard enough even with everyone trying to do that. It's difficult to get here. So the, that quality of limitation is like we, we, um, we use an agreement uh, in terms of our behavior, our action, our speech, in order to get where we want to go. Also just the limitation of being in a vehicle. You know, how many, how many of you have, have consciously recognized that you know, when you sit in a car, you're really not going very far at all. You actually strap yourself in. You're strapped into a chair for hours sometimes, or on an aeroplane, you know, for hours and hours and hours, strapped into a chair. Um, and we, we overlook it. We don't think, I'm being, I'm being fettered, I'm being tied, I'm imprisoned in this car. You know, I'm being tied down in this wretched aeroplane, you know. It's like, well, no, we don't really complain that much about it because that containment enables to get, a, get from A to B. We don't mind being in a little box, just in one little seat. We don't complain that we can't stand up in our car and walk around and, you know, or step out onto the roof and take the air, you know. <laughs> it's not, we don't think I'm being, my, my freedom to express myself and fully experience life to its completeness is being hindered, obstructed, frustrated. You know, we don't, because it's like, it's the standard you get in the car, um, and you accept that limitation, because it's, it provides a greater freedom. So it's exactly in that spirit that we, we deliberately limit uh, the ways that we act, the, the routine that we follow, the, um, the standards that we keep, in order to more fluidly get from A to B. Um, and so just like a highway, is a very particularly tailored piece of planet Earth. You know, a road is a very interesting thing, really. You may not think this, but isn't it, isn't it amazing, really, you know, what, what a road is? It's just this very, very smooth and uh, carefully constructed piece of ground that um, is uh, very, very narrow. Um, but even though it's very narrow, it enables this enormous flexibility of movement. And a road doesn't actually go anywhere, it just sits there, right? So that it's a very narrow thing, it's very, uh, it's very small, and, 
Um, but yet, if you stay on it and you follow its its dictates and you keep to the the traffic laws, you can really go places. I mean, oftentimes I wonder, like, if we just sort of took a left off here, they have to go through that through that field and over that hedge and through this wood. It's impossible to get anywhere. The car would would crack up in no time. <laughs> right? You know, unless you got uh, one of these sort of super duper off road vehicles that, you know. But let's. But for the sake of the analogy, forget that. You know, you just got your regular Toyota town car. So in exactly the same way, the uh, keeping a routine, keeping the precepts is like is like a very narrow road, or the path that the Buddha laid out, the eightfold path, is like a very specific narrow road. But if we stay on it uh, and we 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 keep to its system, we can really go places much more easily and fluidly than if we're sort of taking off through the fields and the bushes and people's front yards and so on and so forth. So this is the way to, to hold the, the precepts and the, the, the routine and the standards that we have. That uh, it's, it is a limitation, it's deliberately limiting to help us enjoy a greater freedom. You know, 80 people living in one place together for 10 days. Um, and uh, to provide the, the maximum basis for harmony and ease of living with each other. So that's the spirit that we, we take the precepts in.